Kim, and I am married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Um, in a little bit here, we're going to be talking with an individual that we met. Jeez. Been a while. Mm-hmm. Did our senior photos. Jeez. So however long ago that was, uh, quite a few years ago, nonetheless. How do I do FaceTime audio? I've normally been able to do it really easy. I don't... Oh, wait, I, I see it now. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Well, so we were try- we were trying to figure out, because how old are you now? 23. Okay, so, so yeah, five like five, five or six years ago, um, we were trying to yeah time out when when I had, when when we had met you and and when we did your senior photos. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a while ago now. And you've always stayed in the back of my mind because you that day we got to spend some time together and you had um, kind of let us know part of your family dynamic and. And that's why I wanted to have you on today was to kind of explain your upbringing and and how addiction has affected your life. And well, that's nice of you to think of me. But yeah, for sure. I'm excited to kind of get into that a little bit, even though it is a touchy topic for sure. But I think it is important to address that for other people that may go through it or experience something similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's start at the beginning. So what was uh, what was childhood like for you? So I think what it boils down to is just having young parents and, you know, kids having kids and not that we were planning, not that that's bad, but um, yeah, so they kind of, you know, met at a party and then had me and then had my brother, but they weren't really like set up for that life with other things that they were partaking in. And my dad had a band, so he kind of had this like kind of party life. So part of me felt like I grew up really fast due to things like I had to see at a young age. Mm. And I think my little brother went and saw things a little more because with me being older and just, I am very thankful for my situation and kind of how I went about things just because I did take a different turn. Um, just as I was, you know, the first in my family to go to college, let alone a private university. And I was very thankful for the opportunities I've had. But unfortunately, that's not how the same for my brother. My dad dropped out in eighth, ninth grade or eighth grade of middle school, high school. Then my brother did. And um, now my brother is having his second kid in September with not being able to take care of the first one either. So, you know, just like those family dynamics of, you know, you either follow the cycle or you break out of it. And even if you break out of it, it's still really challenging. Cause at the end of the day, I still don't talk to my parents. I don't have a connection with them really, even though I know they really care about me and they are proud of me. But I think with addiction, it's really hard to show that sometimes. Um, cause in the back of your mind, you know, that's kind of a priority cause it's sometimes what really makes you feel. Mm. And I have had a lot of guilt with that too, you know, um, like why did they choose that over me or, um, and I still struggle with that of things they've really missed out on in my life. Um, my college graduation is the only time that they ever stepped on campus. And I think really feeling like an orphan throughout 
middle school, high school, because, you know, growing up in a small town with the sense of community and then feeling like, oh, all my friends have their parents. And, you know, that was really hard. And just my parents are very talented people. And just to know that in the drug that they choose is not something that's really, I don't know, it's hard. It really is, especially when I went out of my way to kind of learn about it. And I think that's gave me a sense of ease to just to know that it's not really like they're wanting to do that to me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely been a battle. Um, especially I had a house fire when I was 15. So it kind of just, all these things led up to each other, you know, and not, not paying bills and knowing that the house was being foreclosed on before that even happened. So the insurance stuff was all, all over the place. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's always been weird feeling and kind of like, how do I navigate this world? How do I feel okay about it? And how do I still love my parents? Cause for a long time, I remember I wrote a paper on it of how I didn't love my parents. Cause I was just waiting for the phone call that they were dead. And I think that's something that really affected me. And still to this day where I think, when am I going to get that call? And I remember I had a conversation with my mom and she even told me like, it'll never be normal. <laughs> like nothing will ever feel like perfect or like we'll have a family dinner ever. And it's kind of how it's been growing up <laughs> and feeling that and then expressing it and, you know, having a mom that believes everything on the internet, like if she feels away, she'll self-diagnose herself and then my dad, who doesn't believe in that stuff. So then they constantly were fighting like all the time. And I think with, you know, what they're using and even with alcohol in the mix, because my mom struggled with that, too, is they didn't trust each other. They didn't communicate. So I grew up seeing like them fight all the time. So when they would show affection, my brother and I were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> Aren't you guys supposed to be mad at each other? So, yeah, that's kind of how it was like growing up. Very dysfunctional very very toxic um but you know they did the best that they could and yeah it's kind of kind of a little background on that so um what's your like youngest memory of um kind of a sign that maybe they were high or drunk or just seemed a little off um so yeah i <laughs> I definitely, when I was probably, I would say a toddler, my aunt actually had to take me because they were fighting. Like my mom literally like went out and like smashed his motorcycle. Like I, I guess with no clothes on and her like dad had to get involved in stuff like my grandpa. And then she wanted to, there was a lot of taking up kids and moving around, which didn't really make sense to me at all. Like why we had to keep moving. And I, yeah, so the relationship was always, and they hid it from me very good because I never saw it. I still to this day have never saw them use. My brother has. Um, so like, I don't really have a lot of insight on that, but just knowing how my mom literally never leaves her chair. Like she used to be very active when she was in high school and now it's hard for her to leave the house. Like, and she's like balding almost like she just constantly picks at her face or like is very anxious to leave and doesn't want to, which is really sad. Um, but that's definitely something I've noticed. But yeah, like back to that story is 
my aunt had to take me and started like running with me and my mom was like chasing her like in the car <laughs> just like absurd random things that it's like where is this spewing from like how like where does that come from <laughs> you know so wow i mean that is very very intense so you guys move you said you moved around a lot yep yeah so was it tough um forming relationships with with other kids being that you were moving around so much you know i think i just naturally adapt pretty well but i think it really was because i've never had a sense of home at all and i think that's what i really struggled with is having that kind of connection and then even making friends and I moved, you know, so it was like maintaining relationships and still to this day, I feel like I struggle with that because that's in the back of my head. I don't know. Stability is really hard for me. (laughs) Like I've had to create my own and at the end of the day, like it's really weird to feel happy. Like I feel it, but I'm like, Whoa, like I feel way more comfortable feeling um, intense feelings, like more so sad or anxious because that's, that's what I grew up in. And that's what I felt like would never leave me. So (laughs) it's just an interesting dynamic, you know, and it's really hard to explain to some people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would even move, we moved all the way to Texas at one point, like twice. And I really liked it there. So like when I get, feel like I'm getting a little stability and it's like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to go again, <laughs> you know? So that was so interesting for me. And especially being young and not knowing really what are these emotions. And that's something I struggled with too, is like, how do I take this out in a good way? Cause it never was be taken out in a good way. Wow. And I mean, Texas is a, how much of Texas do you remember? I mean, I remember my grandma having like a bed and breakfast and just, you know, we went to church a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's another hard part is I feel like I've really shut a lot out. So like my memory on things is kind of sad. People would be like, oh, you remember this? I'm like, no, not, not really. <laughs> and then when I talk to my parents, sometimes like it's always like sporadic, like once every like six months or even more it's weird they're like oh you only remember the bad (laughs) and i'm like um (laughs) i don't know really what i mean fourth grade conferences doesn't really count for being supportive um but you know so just things like that and then that bridge of trying not to make them feel like crap but also be like hey can you like validate my feelings what i've had to go through i think that's something they really struggle with so the communication is so off that's really tough. Um, is that that's repressing memories, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and I feel like, do you feel as an adult too, you have trouble remembering like things that even like a year ago, like what was, I don't really quite remember. Like, do you think it's kind of affected your memory even now as an adult? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've really noticed that. And it's weird because I usually have really good memory, but at the same time, I feel like I really bottle things up because growing up, you know, being like I had I connected with the school psychologist because I used to self-harm that was kind of a way of like feeling and dealing with those things and she kind of sought me out and was like oh I noticed this and and I've had you know doctors tell me I don't know what love is because I was never shown it and so that was really hard so I feel like I've always been an open person but I was never like given like the resources to really cope with things until I kind of met that school psychologist was a really good outlet for me. But just always talking about it, it comes to a point where it's like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But then it's like, I do at the same time because it's still like 
necessary to heal and kind of, you know, not really close that chapter, but make it one at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as far as um, other relationships go, it, it kind of pieces some of the puzzles that I've I've noticed um, throughout the years, like in the relationships that you've had when they've been kind of tumultuous, is it because it's kind of continuing that constant of the, of the chaos and like, you know how to survive in these really intense moments. So that's how you know you're going to make it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. I definitely remember <laughs> that one photo shoot we did and I was dating that one guy and you like asked me later on, is he mean to you? Like, which was so like a really big moment for me because he really was. And I, I always was like, I'm never going to date someone like my dad because my dad is extremely bipolar and, you know, has been in and out of jail. And um, my parents have abused each other both physically and mentally and still do. Um, but I always was like, I'm never going to date someone like my dad. And literally, I feel like my ex was kind of a spitting image of that. And I didn't really notice that. But I really do take on that ter- caretaker person. Um, so I think that's just really natural in me. And I'm good at it. But don't really realize until it gets too far of how much energy it takes out of me. And how much it like shuts me down. Um, but yeah, I definitely do think... It's taken, I feel like this past year, I've gotten a lot better at that and noticing that, um, which has helped. But yeah, I think I definitely gravitate towards chaos without even really realizing it sometimes because I'm so vulnerable due to like how I grew up. Um, And I feel like a lot of people seek that out too. So it makes it so hard for me because I've getting categorized as that nice girl because, <laughs> oh, sure. oh, you've been through so much. And like, it's, it's, it's like, no, I'm, I'm doesn't mean you take advantage of me because I'm nice and I've been through a lot. Um, so yeah, that, that makes it hard too, I would say. Well, and you're, I, I don't think it's out of place to say that you're an empath as well. So Oh, for you sure. Kind of recognize that pain in other people. So there's when those things happen, you you feel like a, a sense of obligation because you've seen it before that mm-hmm. you have to insert yourself into these situations. And yeah, that can be yeah. super draining. For sure. And I I'm very passionate about socialization and just, you know, like I said, having a doctor that told me, I don't know what love is because I was never shown it. You don't tell somebody that (laughs) like it really impacts someone, how they move through the world. And that's important to me. And so, yeah, definitely for sure why I went to school for what I did, because I want to be someone who I needed when I was younger. Um, I think too with doctors too, or like therapists and all that, they say things and they hope that you, like react a certain way. So them telling you that they were hoping like, okay, now you'll realize like you're going to have to try and figure out how to love because you weren't loved. I had a therapist Mm -hmm. tell me one time that I was my own parent. I grew up without parents because they were so consumed in what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it's got to be hard for you to grow up and mourn not ever having parents. And like that Mm -hmm. stays with you because you're like, then you overthink it a lot. You're like, okay, I really did grow up. Like my parents had stuff going on my entire childhood and it affected me. They were so self-absorbed with all that stuff. I didn't have parents, but then like as an adult now, you like think those things like, oh yeah, I didn't really grow up with parents. 
and that's the same with you yeah. like i they told me i don't really know how like i don't know know how to experience love because i wasn't loved growing up it's mm-hmm. like then you constantly think that and yeah 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 i think it's really important to note the age too like the communication style because it depends on the age that you're at for yes. sure when they're telling those things because when you're like 11 trying to figure out especially for a girl in those 11 12 that's a horrible time well it was for me yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but just like you're already going through so many emotions at the time and then you're told that and you're like that's how, what, how, how old do you i take they this told you? yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah so and you know i think another thing is like trying to escape it and everything like I did move out, you know, at 15, 16, and my parents were staying, like, as my house burned down, they were staying in a garage, like, literally with tarp rooms. Like, my brother had a tarp room. And just, like, always being embarrassed of, I can't bring my friends around. And I still feel that way. I still feel, and I'm scared to be in a relationship, too, because of that sometimes. Because, like, thinking of marriage is terrifying. And that shouldn't, like, stop me from, you know, going out and being happy and, like, letting something good into my life. So... I feel like sometimes you always face some barriers at the back of your mind, even though people are like, oh, you're doing so good now. And or or it was opposite in high school. And it's kind of like pity party stuff. It's like, I'm not asking for pity, you know. So, yeah, that's interesting dynamic, too. Yeah, I think, too, like being afraid to be in relationship is because you've never you also didn't see a healthy relationship. For sure. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you're afraid of and being a like a caretaker like almost you try to be a fixer you're afraid of the relationship you'll get into because like are you gonna always be in that fix it role or am I gonna find a partner who's doesn't need quote-unquote fixing and they're just gonna be good for me yeah 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 exactly oh that's super interesting so I mean going back to that um because that was one point that I wanted to highlight was the emancipation aspect of your life how did you come to that decision? What, did you do that on your own or was it with another family member? Yeah, so it's it's really difficult because my parents were not happy with it, which made me like really confused because I thought that was really selfish. I was like, so you want me to live how you're living and it's, it's not even a good place that you're at, you know? Um, and I think that's why my brother has been affected a lot more because he was kind of held back a lot more um, and didn't really, really didn't have like the way of reaching out and getting resources. And in his mindset, he wasn't thinking that way anyway. He wanted a friend group, whether that be, you know, kind of people who got him into some trouble. It was still a spot for him where he felt like he had placement. Oh, I see. Yep. And it was very interesting. But so I kind of couch hopped for a while. I mean, at the end of my high school years, I did live with a friend for a couple of years which was great. Um, we shared a room for a little bit. So I kind of, I really compromised cause I didn't care. I was like, as long as I'm out of that roof and you know, they, they tried to really like, there was this one time where I was nannying for a girl, my a lady and her two little girls and little boy, um, where my mom went to high school with her. So I was like, okay, this is cool. I can go to Isan or it was, um, Isle, I think. Malak area. I was like, I can go here my oh, senior okay. year. Everything will be great. Um, the cops showed up there one day and it was so random, so weird. And they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, oh, we got a call saying you and your mom are going to hang yourselves together. And I was like, I haven't even talked to my mom. Oh. Like, so like, I felt like I could never escape it because I wasn't 18. 
even though I tried really hard. So I had no idea. And I think the thing is, is that's what kept my parents together, quote unquote. They'd never been married, but, you know, been together off and on since I was born. Um, but us two kids, my brother and I were their excuse of we have kids together we have to stay together so I think they were trying to hold on us so tight because that's all they really had because they've lost a lot in their life which I get and I think that comes from addiction because that (laughs) is not free usually um so yeah I think that really hit them too so is that oh my kids don't want to be around me you know Uh, I mean so how did that frame your uh, perception of uh, drugs and alcohol when you were growing up then? Or like, did you, did it even connect that that's what was kind of making them this way? So I found out they were using when I was, I think, 13 or 14 at Easter dinner. My whole family told my brother and I at the table. <sighs> they were not happy about that. Um, even my aunt and uncle were like, we know they do it because we did it with them a couple times. And like... Can I ask what they were was, using? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and for me, that made me not want to touch anything. I remember I had a boyfriend, well, quote unquote, eighth grade to like 10th grade. And even like him smoking weed, I was like, nope, nope, don't do that. I was very controlling. I like didn't even like that. Um, so I, I just felt very against it. I would say that kind of framed my ideas on it after that. Um, yeah, a lot of guilt and anger there. And I it think wasn't Kim, until Kim was what? trying to ask if you knew what they were using. Sorry, that that came oh, out. Oh, <laughs> oh! I thought she asked, like, oh, so you found out they were using? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, they did meth. So okay, that is um what we were told. Okay, so they told you that at 13. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Is that what caused the fire? See, that is a huge thing because there was an investigation on that. And I was, cause that was like the first quote unquote home I have ever pretty much had, like where I was there for a few years, you know, cause I was like up and going everywhere and anywhere that my mom would randomly take us when they were fighting. But, um, that was something that was talked about. And the weird thing is, this is the weirdest thing about that day. Um, we were supposed to go on a family trip to Valley Fair but my parents were fighting because my mom got really intoxicated the weekend before and like cheated on him and all this stuff went down. So he was like smashing windows, very angry. Like it was a very not so good day. So my dad stayed back and my mom, my brother and I went with our family friend to Valley Fair. And then I got a call when I was there that my house was on fire and I was like, what, what the heck is going on? And I was like, yeah, the first thought was like, did my dad do this? Cause he was so angry, but when we called him, he was crying and going off the wall because I guess he was at the bar with his sister because it was her birthday. So it didn't really all make sense. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, they kind of have a reputation in my town. So the cops are obviously know their history and whatnot. And that's the first thing they thought, but it was electrical wires in the basement, I guess, cause it was an old farmhouse. Oh, okay. So still to this day, that's kind of the narrative. Um, I, I think some of my family still has, wonders about it but yeah there wasn't no real direction on that but and then you so you said the cops knew of your parents in town was cp did you ever have to deal with cps then um social workers um not a little bit not much the thing is is um 
my dad's whole side of the family is kind of, you know, drug users and in and out of jail and stuff. So we, they actually like took care of some of my cousins. So I think because they kind of, you know, they're very caring people, like they're nurturers too. Um, their focus wasn't so much on us kids due to how well I did in school. And, you know, I really tried to apply myself. So I think that kind of saved a little bit, you know, cause there wasn't like, Oh, you seem like you're struggling. Like they obviously knew, but I, I didn't like portray myself that I was yeah. I kind of, like I said, bottled that up. Cause I hated like at an honors assembly in high school, like I was the only one there without parents. Like, you know, they read your parents' names with your name, blah, blah, blah. And someone came and put their hand on me because I told them not to read my parents' names because they wouldn't be there. And I could not deal with that. I, like, would just shut down and just start crying because <laughs> I didn't like that attention, you know. I didn't like feeling like they felt bad for me, for my situation. Well, and you, you didn't really want hard. that to, to be your identity. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Do you think you applied yourself and you did so well because you saw what kind of environment they were in and you're like, I want to do better. I want to be able to support myself and get separate myself from everything. Yes. And that's exactly why I tell people that I am actually very thankful for what I went through because I honestly don't know where I'd be or who I'd be if it wasn't for the socialization I was brought in. And like I said, my parents weren't bad parents by no means. I just think, you know, they still had a lot of learning to do themselves. Um, and obviously struggled with their own things too in their relationship and whatnot. And in the heat of the moment, I guess you don't realize all what your kids see and hear. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's tough. Okay, now, so moving on to, so I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off before, but you were talking about how um, when you saw people using, uh, as you were growing up, what your perception of it was like with friends and such. Mm-hmm. What was it? Oh, just like, so what was your view on drugs and alcohol as you were growing up because you saw what it did to your family? Like, did that alter the way that, you know, did you hold off on drinking for a long time or? Yeah. So I, I had some really scary moments with it for sure. Um, like I said, I was very against, I never went to a party in high school. I still haven't went to a party till this day, unless you count like the bar, the club with music and you dance, but I've really kind of avoided it because of the fact, like, I think the first time I drank, I was 16 And I was at, at the time, my boyfriend's friend's house at a bonfire. It was just like four or five of us just around the fire. I drank a whole bottle of apple pucker myself. So I learned very young that um, I don't really know control in that area. And I ended up in the ER, actually. I had to take an ambulance. Um, So, yeah, I wasn't breathing and I was black and blue. And people were like telling me about it because obviously I don't really remember it. But I do remember waking up in the hospital and I realized that it could easily be the same for me go down a path where everything I worked hard for I could easily lose because of the fact it kind of runs in my blood not not knowing how to control substances sometimes um so yeah addiction in general um I know my brother's had his fair share of things where I've had to see him like literally gag himself in the bathroom to get out things that he did that were 
not good for him, um, which really scares me. And like, there's another thing I worry about my little brother a lot. Um, but yeah, it definitely shaped the way I see things with that for sure. So when you decided to, um, kind of go on your own, um, was it tough? Like, did you have that sense of, if I'm not there to make sure my brother's okay, how do I know? Like, did you have any struggles with that? <sighs> yeah. Um, my brother and I were not, I think we're a little closer now, although I don't talk or see him a lot. He knows I'm there for him. And at the end of the day, I do think I'm a little bit of a role model and also kind of a, it's back and forth. Cause I feel like he feels like the disappointment almost because he couldn't get out like I did. Um, and he, you know, still doesn't have a job and still didn't get a GED. So he's really struggling right now. Um, and his kid, first kid just turned two. Um, his baby, first baby mama just got out of jail and, you know, she grew up in the same cycle. So she's really struggling with how do I turn my life around? I want to, but this makes me happy in the moment. Um, oh, I think that's sure. why my pers- perspective really changed in college taking neuroscience classes and addiction classes and like kind of getting educated on it than being really mad at it, you know? Um, but yeah, and now he's having a second kid in um, September. So this month with a different girl who is struggling too. And so it makes me nervous is like, this going to be forever is like, what is it? And I know him and my parents did not, my, he was a mama's boy for sure, but my dad and him did not get along at all. Um, my brother, I remember wanting to commit suicide and my dad told him to do it and he took a whole bottle of his pills. Um, so like, there's always been this dynamic of, am I going to get the call about my brother being gone because he doesn't know how to express feelings and doesn't take criticism well, like critical, you know, criticism. He takes it very negatively. So it's hard to talk to him about stuff. He kind of shuts down. I know my aunt told me she found like a hat and a knife in his drawer once. And so, yeah, it's always in the back of my head of when is things going to get better for him or how are they? And like, how can I help at the same time? Because, you know, when I go back home, it's still that feeling of, wow, this is all the things I've felt here. Like I can just feel it. It's so different from being in the city now and feeling I've kind of made a place for myself a little bit. But yeah, I, I do worry about my brother a lot, a lot of the time. So, and that's tough, man. Um, especially when, you know, now that you're, I mean, I'm assuming he's an adult now and mm-hmm. um, he will be 22 in December. So, okay. yeah, I'm sure that's tough thinking about the things that you've done and what you've accomplished and, you know, seeing the path that, that he's on that level of, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. You could, you know, apply yourself in in a different way and have a different outcome. So that internal struggle of like, I know it can be done. I hate that this is happening to you. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Yeah. And then not really having a real clear support circle because our aunt has custody of his, you know, firstborn. Um, And she kind of like holds that over him a little bit. Um, because he can't even afford a diaper, you know, so it's not like, like he wants to be a dad, but he, and he is a dad, but it, like, he doesn't feel like he can be at the same time. Sure. Um, so I know that that's probably really hurting him too. 
So, man. So I know I've asked you a thousand times, but can you tell me one more time uh, what your your degree is? Yeah. So I graduated with a certificate in conflict studies, and then you know the Bachelor of Arts, and my major was sociology. Um, so basically the study of people is really what I got out of there with. Um, yeah, I care a lot about how people, like I said, move through the world and I love hearing people's stories, like just listening and connecting. Like that's really important for me because if it wasn't for people I've connected with or met throughout my life, I probably wouldn't be here for sure. I think that's a really important aspect of even with addiction and all of that is, getting in there and like learning like, Hey, you're not alone. You can do this. It's going to be hard, but there's going to be a lot more good days than bad days. Once you get through this and you'll always have bad days. That's something that you can't really avoid. Everyone goes through that, but to know that you have a support circle, people you can count on and like ask questions like that's so crucial in your healing and you moving forward, no matter your story or identity. So yeah. Well, and I mean, it's something that we say on, on, on the show a lot is that um, sobriety doesn't equal everything's all better. It doesn't completely mm-hmm. wipe your slate clean, but right. those difficult things, having a sober mind and a sober lifestyle allows you to handle those things a lot better. It yeah. allows you to step back and, and assess these situations um, less emotionally and and kind of more rationally. Mm-hmm. So how are you, has, do you have a, a, a job that is like fits your degree or are you still looking for, for work? Yeah. Yeah. So out of college, I kind of had to decide between three different jobs that I wanted. Um, Cause I hustled really hard. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get in the field. I'm going to do this. And I was very, very um, lucky um, with to have three job offers. Cause I know that's not really common. Um, but at the same time I had to really like, I was a little worried cause two of them were kind of what I was getting paid in high school. And I was like, Oh man, living in the city, that's not really going to work out. Um, so then this other one came about and I accepted it. Um, but right now I've been there since I graduated, which was in 2019. So I've been there for a little over a year now. Okay. I am a career consultant, so I help adults with disabilities find employment. Oh, okay. That Now I remember that, yep. which is an amazing yeah. thing. That's vulnerable adults. I mean, that's another thing that we, Kim and I talk about all the time is trying yeah. to get people to not be afraid of of these individuals just because they have right. a slight mm-hmm. disability does not mean that they're yeah. you know, dangerous or harmful for sure. And I work with like all everyone on the spectrum, like from cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury to anxiety. Um, and it's, it's a great, it's, it's great because you're breaking the stigma away from this person can only be a janitor. This person can only do this cause they're only able of this. And you know, I've a lot of my job is sales. So business calling and being like, Hey, I have someone interested in learning about this. And they're like, why aren't they just doing it? You know? So people are really kind of taken aback a little bit and a little judgmental. Sometimes I ran into that, but it's fun kind of switching the narrative for yeah. sure. And especially growing up with a disability, you know, that runs in my family, it's really important for me for people to feel successful minus a label because a label doesn't define who you are. Absolutely. And it's different for everyone. Like one anxiety to another is completely different. Like you can't just read the symptoms and be like, 
oh, yep, this person's this way because I dealt with someone like that. So, yeah. So, so did did you, I mean, you said that you grew up with a, or do you grow up with somebody with a disability or you're talking about your mental health? Both. Yeah. Okay. Definitely both. And, um, as we've like started, what, like ever since I've gotten out of treatment, we've learned more and more about my personal mental health stuff and I'm mm-hmm. definitely still learning. Um, for sure. When, so if you don't mind, what, what was it that you were diagnosed with? Um, severe anxiety and manic depression. Okay. And OCD and ADHD. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, when you were going to school and learning these things, did it help you understand your own situation better as well? really hard I really struggled I still to this day do not take medication for these diagnoses um because of the fact that growing up with a dad who was so against that like this doesn't exist medication doesn't help and then a mom that was really a kind of a pill pusher kind of you know um and I remember I was I think I was in college actually my aunt's like you're bipolar you need to go in and get checked because my dad has bipolar um okay so I went in and this is the thing that really shocked me. They put me on a medication for bipolar and it messed me up. Like I had to leave work. It, it was, it was such an interesting dynamic because I was like, Oh my gosh, I am the way I am because of all of this. And like, none of these medications are helping me. What is wrong with me? So it was a really push and pull effect. Um, yeah. So I think I really had to change a lot that was in my environment wow. for me to feel successful in that regard. Yeah. It's interesting you say, like, I grew up in a very similar environment where my dad did not believe in mental health at mm-hmm. all. And he, I mean, I struggled a lot as a teenager. Like, I was hospitalized. You know, my one of my suicide attempts, I got out of the hospital. And my dad's like, mm-hmm. did you learn your lesson? It's like, it's not oh, a lesson goodness. or anything. But yeah, he didn't believe in medications. He still doesn't believe in medications. Yep. And then my mom mm-hmm. was the opposite where she thought she and I probably currently like there's a pill that can fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that I definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yep. very much what I grew up into. So then I would try meds and nothing would work. And then it's like, I, I'm sensitive to meds. So things would work too much and then I'd feel a certain way. So then, yeah, I've had to learn my anxiety, what will make me anxious, what makes me very depressed and mm-hmm. coping skills to work through that. And to yes. just in my head, identify, okay, I'm struggling and just be able to be vocal about it. I'm struggling right now. I'm mm-hmm. very, very depressed. And like, when those days where you want to lay in bed and not do anything like to try and push yourself out because you don't have that chemical medication to push you out of bed you have to physically mentally and just push yourself without that that medication helping you too Mm -hmm. no i'm not gonna lie i literally got goosebumps when you're saying that because like that hit the nail on the head like that is exactly what i went through i personally wasn't hospitalized my brother was and that's exactly what he said to him and when I, after I got out of the hospital with that, you know, accident, when I drank the alcohol, um, he, I woke up, he's like, sup drunk. Like that was literally the narrative all of the time. It was not anything supportive. It was, and it's funny. Cause it's like, um, you guys are doing like what? And making your child feel like they're in the wrong. It, it was just so interesting for sure. 
Hey everybody, it's Chris and Kim, and we're excited to tell you guys that if you go to modifytattoo.com, you can now get 15% off anything in their merch store uh, by using the promo code DuckDuckGrayDuke. Hats, shirts, beanies, glasses, jewelry, even jewelry. You can get 15% off if you use that promo code DuckDuckGrayDuke. The promo code does not take off for tattoos and piercings, but please go support these guys. They're amazing artists. They do great, great work. Mm -hmm. I'm already figuring out what my next tattoo is going to be. Trying to finish both my arms. I'm excited. Keith is going to give me a sick neck tattoo, and I can't wait. Head to ModifyTattoo.com and book your session now. For your tattoo or piercing, located in Becker, Minnesota, right off of Bank Street, right behind the bank. Enjoy the show. I mean, and that's, I don't know that I've asked this particular question. I'm kind of posing it to both of you, but like the behavioral and like environmental aspect of these um, diagnoses versus the medication, like Kim, so like with you, what what was it that you learned that made you start to change habits versus in, impl- like looking for a prescription and things like that? I think my job, like knowing, like I know so much about mental health, like I know self-isolation, unfortunately, it's not good for depression, you know, blocking yourself off, staying in bed, um, th- like those kind of things I know aren't good when you're depressed. So I have to force myself not to do those things. And with anxiety, developing like, doing lots of mind things like deep breathing and stuff like I've just from my job because that's what I do for work that's how I taught myself that because I I mean you know I've tried meds before and unfortunately nothing's really worked so it's it's and it's going through things and personal experiences like okay when I felt this bad this is what helped kind of a thing I don't know if that made any sense no that makes perfect sense do you think that's why um like I have noticed like when we have people over you get very like fidgety and aware of the the state of the house and so any little thing you'll clean and so do you think that motion doing those things is a release for you so that you're not stewing in the anxiety while someone's here yes wow yeah yeah we just had a breakthrough okay so when we have like when we have people over like if people hang out after podcasting, I will be in the kitchen and I have to clean. Like if we have people over for dinner, I have to do the dishes right away and clean because I am, I have such bad social anxiety. It's like trying to keep on a conversation with someone. But if I'm doing something while I'm talking to that person, it doesn't make me feel as anxious. Wow. Wow. I did not think of it that way because I'm a very extroverted person, but that's what I do. Like I do, I like almost let the food go cold because I literally have to clean up everything before I even eat. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. Wow. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think your body does look for these releases. Like what can we do right now? How can we alleviate this pressure that's building up? That's super interesting because I am the opposite. Yeah, you are very much the opposite. <laughs> it doesn't. It, I think now you know that because it would irritate you before. Like, just sit down, relax, and yeah. I can't. Like, I, now physic- I yeah, I completely get it. Now. Cannot do it, and it was. It's hard to explain. That was actually my opening to me because I realize I do that. 
Like, and yeah, that, so I, yeah, I definitely need to be aware of that for later. Cause, cause I do, I, 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 I have people over, you know, once or twice a week. And, and so I'm sure that creates, yeah, that's anxiety that I'm just assuming, which is so funny. Cause I complain about people saying, um, the whole, uh, that quote from the Joker where, why do people expect people with mental health issues to act like they don't have mental health issues. Yeah. And that was me just saying like, because I'm relaxed, you should be relaxed. Yeah. I had a, we had, we got a new thermostat installed today in a dryer and the entire time those people were in my house, I was cleaning stuff that it didn't even need to be clean, but I had to be moving because I couldn't sit there because it was making me anxious Uh that they were in my house. Mm hmm. And the way that like that stuff ties into addiction. And I think that that's like a lucky thing that you guys have these other outlets because the same way that you guys clean or, or, or fidgety or whatever, other people go to substance as that pressure release because that's emotion as well. If I'm doing this thing in X amount of time, I'm going to feel this way. And if it doesn't change in that time, then I'll do it again. And so that repetition and then that creates a really dangerous cycle as well. So when they're taking the substances, it helps them calm their bodies or whatever else. When well, I clean, I can too. feel that. Like when I'm wiping the window, like stuff like that, it makes me feel less anxious. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cleaning's my drug. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about like decorating and organizing. Like. Every day, probably something will be in a different spot in a perfectly, like, orderly way. Like, I just feed off of that. Like, everything has its place, definitely. It's so interesting. I I want to go back. Oh, oh, sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say, because now that makes sense, because the photos that I see you post, it always looks like you're in a slightly different place. But Mm -hmm. you're basically Poison Ivy from... DC comics <laughs> with all the yeah. plans that you have. Yeah, and that's another thing I think, you know, with the outlet is just nature too. I think that's really helped me is being like, wow, this will always be something I can have. I can step out. I can oh, breathe wow. fresh air. I can the world is so much bigger than my problems right now. I feel so small. And there's something about feeling small that I I, I love and it's it's really weird because I've always wanted like you know just moving through the world as a woman in general and with body shaming and all this stuff oh, but yeah. when I just step outside it's okay to feel small in that moment um but yeah for sure um I want to go back to you so and you can say no that's not why but do you think you went into the area that you went into for work and school and all that because you couldn't figure out your upbringing and your own parents and your surroundings and those people around you? So you went into that as a career to be able to figure people out and figure out what's going on with people and learn more about people in general? Absolutely. So I didn't even know what sociology was. I was going to do criminal justice and psychology. I was like, oh, all yeah. right, I'm going to be... I'm going to be a poet and I'm going to do like investigation, like lawyer stuff. I'm going to, you know, really help people out. I'm going to figure people out in their brain. And then, you know, it, part of me was like, Oh, I have to go big or go home. So I was like, I got to make a lot of money. I got to be successful because I have to be a change. And then like I found sociology and I was like, Holy crap. This is like everything in one sociology is literally everything. It's so interconnected. 
it's criminal justice, it's social, it's just psychology, it's everything. That's what sociology is, basically. Oh, wow. It's a study of people. So you can connect that with addiction, with like just everything. And that was so comforting to me because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not messed up. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. This is like so many people go through this. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely like to your question is that felt comforting to me yeah. that felt like how I you could... gain closure yeah exactly yeah that, and then yeah yeah that's yeah. i think too I, I, we have so many things it's crazy how many things we have in common because that's exactly I why know, i went I into mental too. health <laughs> is because yeah. like i grew up and i had all these emotions and all these feelings and i couldn't figure things out and you know with my dad said that comment to me and i always felt like like i was depressed and anxious and i couldn't like the world made no sense and we, I mean, when I was in high school, we didn't really talk about mental health at all. Mm-hmm. And so it was yep. and like the therapists I saw were not very good. And I'm like, I, when I was hospitalized, I had this nurse that I can't even remember what she said to me. I wish I could. My memory is bad also because of my childhood. I, my memory is mm-hmm. garbage. So, but she said something to me and I was like, I'm going to be a psych nurse. That's it. That's what I want to do. And that I, that was my driving force. Cause I'm like, I'm going to help other kids like me. I'm going to help other people like me who feel alone and who can't figure themselves out and make them feel like there are people out there that will care for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I relate to that a lot. I think at the end of the day, I think of, wow, I chose me over money, but I still get by, right? And I didn't just only choose me, I choose other people because using me and my story, just like you, Kim, is like, you are doing so much more than you ever thought you could with what you came from. And like, I always just say, I'm not what I came from. I am what I make. And like, you're constantly creating an atmosphere to help other people so you can remember just like how you were back in the day feeling all these emotions. It's like, whoa, I wish I had someone that kind of understood because that was my driving force is that school psychologist. She opened up to me. She opened up to me and I connected with her and I didn't just see her as someone who was getting paid to tell me what they're supposed to say. Yeah. I felt like she was genuinely helping me. So yeah, I really relate to that. Yeah. That's like my, my CDC counselor, like the the first chemical dependency person that I spoke with, um, like most of the doctors that I was seeing while I was in the hospital, um, they were looking for um, the answer. It was basically how how can we get you out of here as fast as possible? And this chemical dependency lady just sat and would just like sit in the silence and smile and didn't seem to bother her at all. It wasn't awkward. She just genuinely wanted to make me feel more comfortable about what the next step could be not even Mm -hmm. like what she thought it should be she wanted to know what where where i was at so that i could emotionally move forward as well because it's with addiction like it's such a big part of your life that you mourn the loss of that and so when you were talking about your parents like that's doing the best that they can there is that part of you that almost feels like a zombie because you're like, I, <clears throat> especially as a parent, like you want to do good so bad, but you know in the back of your mind that you're going to go the second that, you know, whatever duties that you think you have to take care of are done, you're going to go right back to that thing mm-hmm. and you start to minimize your duties. You start to make them seem less and less and you're just until eventually you are like a zombie just you're just being there for your kids is going to be enough i'm a a parent 
the mo- mom and dad are still together. Cause like Kim and I had that too. We're like, my shit was so bad that a lot of other marriages I feel like would have fallen apart. And, yeah. and, and I, and, like knowing what I know now, I can say I would not have blamed you, Kim, <laughs> for doing that stuff because it gets so dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. especially with addicts being as emotionally manipulative as we can be. It's mm-hmm. just a fucking nightmare. So I, yeah. I feel for your parents. I obviously I feel more for you cause I, I know you, but I, I get the, the, that, that fucking pain. Cause there are times when they'll look at you and look at your brother and see that like sorrow or confusion mm-hmm. in their eyes. And it's just oh, for sure. the most painful thing ever. Yeah. And that's interesting dynamic, you know, because my parents were like using together. So at the end of the day, I was like, is this what's really keeping them together? You know, cause I, my dad got my mom into it. Um, so that was always something. And I definitely understand where you're coming from with the guilt, like looking at us. Cause I remember my mom, like in high school when I published this, like, poetry thing on youtube she would just play it without even the sound sometimes we would just watch it oh. and it was so hard to go to her and visit her because i felt like i was parenting my parents and that was a weird still to this day i feel that way um he's like when i would hug her like there's no way without hugging her without crying oh. and that's why i would avoid it i was like i don't want to feel this i don't want to see them because like i don't know how to carry this anymore like this this freaking sucks you know and then like when they couldn't provide for themselves because they both don't work they haven't since my house burnt down or even a few years before so it's also that kind of feeling guilty like man like should i be helping them like like but they don't even they're not even the state so honestly it's like this really like weird thing for me because i do love them which is weird to say because like i said i always said i didn't because I, I genuinely don't really know that that word is so weird to me because like feelings, like I feel so much, you know? So what, what does serendipitous mean? I, I, I've never come up with what that technically means, but I always want to apply it in situations like this in that like, um, surreal kind of, um, melancholy, that kind of melancholy feeling of like, nothing things kind of move a little slower and you're a little fuzzy and even though there's like this intense darkness kind of looming there there, it's like i guess maybe like the calm before the storm means occurring or discovered by chance in a happy or beneficial way okay so definitely not applicable to this situation (laughs) (laughs) but now that i know i'll know when to use it but anyways that melancholy of yeah that that fuzz that numbness yeah right before the really intense thing happens like yeah. zero gravity i just want to say i we i talk about resilience resiliency a lot i with Ooh, people yeah. i love that word you are yeah. like yeah. the definition of resilience like you to grow up in what you did and to basically come in a become an adult as a child yeah. and then to go through college and to be where you are now you are like I don't know if you've ever heard of the ACEs study. It's the adverse childhood um, experience. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I like in my head, I am like, you check your ACEs score would be so high just based, based on your childhood. And the fact that like, I hate saying this, but the world's against you. If, you know, if you have all these awful experiences as a child and you are like 
coming out the complete opposite way and you're like you know what these all the yep i could have went and unfortunately you you know you like you said your brother went down that path but mm-hmm. it's it you can see like as people our our traumas and our childhoods don't have to define us we can consciously if we have it in us make a choice to do the opposite of what we grew up in yeah. no I really appreciate that and same goes for you like I had no idea any of this of you and I had no idea we were going to connect like this and I, that's why I love that you guys do this stuff and like get yourself out there get your voices heard and connect with other people because it is it's like you're living in a twilight zone sometimes and it's dark and you're like where the heck is my flashlight? I don't even know how to turn it on. Like there's all these things that you're experiencing. And like at the end of the day, like with like relationships and it's like, wow, are they going to pack up their love in the middle of the night and leave? Like that's always a subconscious fear because of what I've been through. Um, And like, wow, you're going to get to know me and then you're going to have to get to know this side of me. And, and at the end of the day, like when you ask the question of, you know, the things that calm you or what helps you get through it, it, it was education for me for sure. And now I don't really have that. So I'm struggling again, kind of, because I'm like, that was what I put my mind to. Now I need to do something else. And I do want to go to grad school and do social work and stuff eventually. But with COVID, I'm probably going to hold off a little bit until things get a little better. But yeah, that's definitely, definitely something that I have to be like, now what? You know, not feeling like I have to do something to be okay. Still trying to balance that out a little bit. But I appreciate it. Like, it definitely takes a lot of a lot of strength to give yourself credit where it's due. It's very difficult for a lot of people, but oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've noticed, I think within like, I don't know, the last three or four years, the, the self love that you show through your social media, I can tell that it inspires people to just be more loving in general. Like when you're able to articulate and showcase the love that you have for yourself in, in that way, in a very public way, I think it, it, it opens people up and, and makes them think, if I'm not going to do it to myself, I'm at least going to let my friend know how much I love them. And maybe we yeah. should go ahead. Like you just have that vibe about you. And I, and yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. Is it is it tough with COVID not being able to be as much of an emotional support dog as you you were before. <laughs> yeah um def- that's an interesting dynamic because like a lot of people think wow you're so confident and I think like I try the reason why you know I'm so broadcasting about the stuff I post sometimes is because like I'm trying to kind of change perspective of just because you seem confident doesn't mean that you fully are like you're mm. trying and I think that's a really good for word for confidence is trying oh like yeah. just because every life's a process your healing's a process every day is a process and you have to trust that and for me like that's that's something that i take pride in it's just being honest like say like even with you guys because i know for sure like it took a lot of honesty and like patience and communication but that's so crucial to be like hey I'm straight up not having a good time. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm straight yeah. up not. <laughs> like, this sucks. And But that is okay. It is okay not to be okay. And I feel like that's something that people really struggle yeah. with, yeah. is realizing that. Just because you've had a little hiccup in the road does not mean you're not successful still. Does not mean you're going to be okay tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I it's And with COVID, it has. It has. I had a couple days where I just needed to cry it out because but I had to remind myself of how many other people 
are all struggling with these odd times we're living in right now. Um, yeah. With your um, self-love and like the body positivity stuff, do you think, you know, being told at, you know, 11 that you don't know what love is. So you are doing a lot of I'm that self-love trying to teach yourself to actually love yourself as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's weird because I'm sure a lot of people do this, but you just stare at your page sometimes. <laughs> You're just like what the heck do people see? Like, do they see what oh, I see? Yeah. Like, yep, yep. you just, you really think, because I feel like a lot of people interpret things because over a screen, you really don't, you don't really get to know someone that well over a screen. You can only like assume the way you want to. So it's really about being transparent. And yeah, I definitely think that's something I've tried to like learn and teach myself is I am love. I'm full of love. I'm capable of that. And I can kind of control that. That's something that I definitely can control. Yeah. But it's just the people you attract, I think, too. That's something that's so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is going to sound super nerdy, but um, there, <laughs> uh, Batman and the DC Comics, uh, <laughs> there's this really interesting story where Batman's trying to solve this crime. And so he seeks out the most famous detective. It's not Sherlock Holmes, but just this guy that's like the most revered detective. And uh, he goes to him and is like, I need to know how to defeat my enemy. And this detective is like, I don't know that you can. So what I'm going to teach you how to do is how to not win, but not lose. So it's that concept of the the not obtaining a certain thing does not mean that you've lost and it doesn't take yeah. away from your um, individuality and um, it shouldn't take away from your confidence. That's what I was looking yeah. for. No, I definitely I see that with me because it's it's hard when you have that mindset of I need to defeat this. I need to overcome this. I think what you need to do, like personally for me, get comfortable with it, get comfortable with change and adapting. That was something like moving around. It's actually kind of helped me in a way because um, I learned to adapt really easy and be flexible. So really there is beauty in the struggle, even though mm -hmm. it's really hard. There really is. And sometimes you just got to pour your anxiety a cup of tea, your depression a cup <laughs> of tea and be like, I see you, but you're not going <laughs> to overtake me. But I'll chill with you because yeah. I know you're there but I'm going to be comfortable with you because once I'm comfortable with myself, you're unstoppable. You, you know, with what, and I think that's something I've had to really like sit down with and be like, all right, this happened, but what am I going to do with it? When am, how am I going to move forward with it? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, um, from the perspective of a, a child growing, growing up in a home, uh, with addiction, do you have any advice for people um, who are in that kind of tough family dynamic uh, where they're not sure if they should stay, if they should leave, or, or what their next move should be. Does that make sense? Definitely. I strongly believe there is selflessness and selfishness. It is okay to be selfish for yourself because it is important for you to feel okay and not... And it's, it definitely depends on your situation because not everyone can leave. Not everyone sure. can, not everyone has the same 
same story. I remember, you know, I took a trip to Arizona a few months back and my friend's an only child and she's going through such a hard time because her parents are like, look how Ashley's parents were. They didn't give a crap about her, but look how she turned out. That's so unfair oh. to say to someone, you know, it, it, not everyone has the same story, but you have to do what you have to do for you. And whether that is your hobby or finding your passion, find something that makes you feel like you and makes you feel good and reach out for sure. Don't be afraid to do that because it, it, it does feel scary. It does, you know, and that was hard for me too. talking about it. I hated it. I, really hated to continue talking about it because i feel like it made it worse i'm like wow this keeps reminding me of how shitty my life is right now but the fact that you can change that because like i said take on what you can and give yourself breaks when you need to for sure so definitely i would say like focus on you i know some of my family was very hard on me about going to college and thought of me as this goody two shoes. Like, Oh, you just think you're better than everyone else. Cause you're educated now, quote unquote, you know, you know, small town conservative kind of, you know, they, they didn't really get out and like, they just lived in their bubble a little bit. And so they didn't see me truly how I was really trying to kind of be a change for myself. Mm. So I think you're always going to have backlash. Like not everyone's going to be happy with what you do. But that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it for you. And as long as you have people that care about you and you care about yourself, I think you're truly unstoppable. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing to take pride in you and take you need to take more, take up more space. I think that's really hard for people, but it's something that's so important. Yeah. And just even stretching, like just simply just stretching, go lay on the floor and lay so far out. Just take up that freaking space because you deserve so it. So big. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you've done that with kids before, but. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Man, I, this was just, I'm so glad that that you were willing to to come on and, and, and share your story. This was, I mean, I definitely learned a lot. And I, I, I hope that the people who listen to this learn a lot because, um, yeah, I've always I've always felt that you had a, a story worth hearing, and and uh, I hope that you continue to um, write your poetry and and all the things that you're doing. And I am confident you're gonna be a, a great uh, resource for people. Uh, mm, who are thank in you. Need. You guys too, though. Like I am super. I mean, this wouldn't have happened if you guys aren't doing what you're doing. So I really commend you for the work you're doing and broadcasting what you've been through like both of you like that takes like kudos to you like that's awesome um i'm actually like sort of glad i'm not like physically there because i've been pacing this whole time i look like a freaking dork like that's me i can't sit still either like busybody here we are so it would be hard for me to talk about this stuff and sit down probably but um Kim's been no, tying, I really appreciate it. Kim's been tying well, knots in her headphone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be me. I'd be fidgeting the whole time. But <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity and being able to connect with the both of you. And um it's any time really. Is is there any I don't know if you have like any social media like with your spoken word stuff or anything any like resources that you want people to to look out for or yeah, well, just, you know, I do have, this is the fun part about COVID and feeling so uncreative lately. I haven't really been posting a lot on my page. I'm trying to, but I do have an Instagram for my poetry. 
Um, yeah, I mean, YouTube, not so much. I'm not, I need to get back into it. That's for sure. <laughs> That's something I'm still working on is being like creative, like feeling that way. Um, COVID hasn't helped with that, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, no. And you know, for reading things or just looking out for articles or memoirs, books. Oh my goodness. That has helped me so much with COVID just reading meditation books, even, Mm -hmm. um, on mindfulness, your conscious, so important. Those things, easy reads too. And you just sit there and you're like, you just feel the calmness over you. And I think that's something that's really helped me. And even poetry, little poetry books. There's some really simple ones that you realize, holy crap, they felt this. They put it into words. Dang, that's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely connecting with other people's words. I feel like is extremely cool and awesome. So what 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 is what's your your Instagram for the the poetry stuff? So it's grow words, like grow and then words, like growing words. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty easy to remember. But I was trying to be a little clever right there. Um, cause you know, trying to grow body positivity in words, here we go. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's that. Well, awesome. Ashley, thank you so freaking much for doing this and, uh, you take care. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Anytime you guys too, for sure. Okay. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs> thank you. Wow. You learned a lot about me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole concept of the like the reason why you're doing those things when people are around makes so much more sense rather than because my perception was, oh, she thinks that people are judging her house and that's not it at all. You just have genuine social anxiety and, and I need I to. Know. I need medications. <laughs> I might. No, I th- I've I've worked through enough of it, I think. It's a work in progress. I'm 33. Yeah. working on it. You well, know? I mean, and that's something for me to recognize so that like I don't have because when when you're doing those things, I get anxiety from the fact oh, that you're not. Yeah, you're, she's not being present. She's making everybody else feel nervous. And really, I could just let you do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like when we hang out with people, but we're doing things. Mm-hmm. I feel better than if we're like sitting around a fire I don't like that. Sure. It makes me like, and not necessarily like our family, but like friends and stuff where yeah. it takes a little more for me to bust out of my bubble. Like just sitting around hanging out. I don't like that. Like if we're actively doing something, then I feel more comfortable. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. And yeah, obviously she's smart as fuck and, and yeah. I'm psyched. Like I, yeah. It's interesting. So people listening to this, if you, are interested do an aces study you can do a questionnaire it's online the adverse childhood um, experiences it's fascinating and you get a score and it kind of just tells you where you're at uh you can just google it but um i did that um we we talked a lot about it in when i was working in a different facility about doing um aces on everyone just to kind of see where they're at um, so in the adverse childhood is a tally of different types of abuse, neglect, and other hallmarks of a rough childhood. The rougher your childhood, the higher your score is likely to be that you're a higher risk for health problems later on. Um, I can't remember which. I think it's like it. Um, so the increased health risks are um, 
behaviors will be smoking, alcoholism, drug use, missed work, lack of physical activity, obesity, diabetes, depression, suicide attempts, STDs, heart disease, cancer, stroke, COPD, and broken bones are things that you are at higher risk if you... Um, so a couple of questions like, and it's always before your 18th birthday. Did a parent or another adult in your household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? Mm. Before your 18th birthday, did a parent or other adult in your household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or you were injured? Before your 18th birthday, did an adult or another person at least five years older than you ever um, touch you in an appropriate way or attempt to actually have intercourse with you um, before your 18th birthday? So no one in your family, did you ever feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Didn't Your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other or support each other. Um, you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes. Your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it. Um, was a biological parent ever lost to you through divorce, abandonment, or other reason? Um, and then if your mother or stepmother pushed, grabbed, slapped, or thrown something at you, repeatedly hit you or at least a few minutes or threatened you with a gun or a knife. Did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker, alcoholic, or used street drugs? Was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? Um, did a household member go to prison? Those are the 10 questions. Well, yeah, that sucks. But it doesn't mean any. It means you're you can be at higher risk, but then you can also shape your environment. So if you're concerned now because of those questions, because of our children, yes, it's exactly what I'm okay. concerned about. But now we're providing a healthier environment for them. Okay. Yeah. So that's more of like on a consistent basis. You're saying? I think like. Or just no think, sign of change. It was all kind of stagnant. Yeah, I think it's a lot of if it this. Yeah, I got you. And it's resiliency. Like Layla probably is not going to remember a lot of what had happened. Landon a little bit, but Landon is so resilient. We've, you know, with he's also a sensitive boy though. He is, but he also, you know, with bullies and stuff like that, he has adapted very well and has yeah. overcome a lot. Um, and he looks up to you a lot, so I think that he, like is just proud of where you are. I don't think he, at all he has any, he doesn't feel broken at all. And I think as an adult, he's not going to feel that way. I hope so. Because you had some of these things, but you've also, granted that you were drinking and all this kind of stuff, you surrounded him with so much love that those things were like in the back front. Where I feel like a lot of times when situations like this, like for her, in her case, she was surrounded by a lot of that and no love. So I she see. didn't feel that comfort where things were going on, but you still grabbed Landon and would you loved him. Oh, you surrounded him with so much love that these other things that were going on didn't even face him because he felt so loved. So it's more so the, the like our situation would be more akin to like um, watching a loved one go through a physical disability, yeah. like that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope that's the case. I that's think a it really is. positive way yeah. of looking at it. Because I think with, like I said, with her, she didn't ha have that surrounded love. You, you had, sure. you know, he had a couple things that the kids saw, but you also had so much love around them um, that Landon didn't notice all this other stuff that had happened. Because he knew at the end of the day, my dad loves me so much. 
Yeah. He'll do anything for me. So. Wow. So I don't feel bad. Okay. Well, I mean, I do, but I forever will. And there's nothing <laughs> you I don't can do have about to it. do. <laughs> no. You know, and I didn't have the greatest childhood, but the other day I. Um, I think the way that I look at it, it's kind of disingenuous that we're doing this foot thing right now. Um, <laughs> it's my fidgeting. But um, I think I I don't want to like I get a fr- I get scared of um, like discounting that stuff. And then if somebody gets nervous about a situation and I'm like, oh, well, don't be like that. That's that's in the past. Like there's a certain type of dismissiveness for past actions yeah. that people yeah. get. And yeah. it's really in, like Louis C.K. is like the perfect example of it. Dude did some super shitty things. Nine months later was like, just get over it. Yeah. All right. I yeah. admitted to it. Let's yeah. just be done. Yeah. Like I don't I don't want to be there ever yeah and i think it helped that i brought landon into therapy immediately yeah whereas some of us don't get that for years on and then we've dwelled in this bath of yuck yeah so i think opening him up to be like you can talk about this openly and we're not gonna think any poorly of you we're not gonna look down all these kinds of things like made landon feel like what you have to say is important if you want to talk about it that's okay whenever you're ready kind of a thing. Yeah. I think that sometimes in those situations you feel like you can't talk. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So. Yeah, Because you don't know what thing caused your parent to be like that yeah. in the first place. So if in the back of your mind you're like, well, if I say this, is it going to make them mad? Or are they going to get mad at me? Yeah. Because yeah. And I've made Landon very uh, like when talking with that i made it very clear it doesn't matter no one's mad at you we're not going to be mad at you you can't be mad at someone for how they feel yeah yeah well that's awesome yeah so well i love you i love you you're pretty great you're pretty great too i'm there was a pause in yours so i was gonna try and make a duck thing with it but you're ducking awesome yeah but I thought it was going to sound stupid coming out of my mouth, so I, that's why I <laughs> took a break. All right. All well, right. We learned a lot this week. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, if anybody wants to come on uh, via phone call um, or in person, uh, you absolutely reach out to us. Um, if you're just looking for resources, you can definitely message our, our Facebook page or email us. Um, both are going to be so Duck, Duck, Gray, Duke. Uh, for the Facebook page and then duckduckgreatduke at gmail.com if you've got questions that you'd like us to answer or topics that you'd like us to cover yeah uh, we'd absolutely love to do that and again I talked about reading that book I'm gonna get to it (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. what was it called again um the naked mind yeah 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 that's right I forgot all about that and I keep thinking about it but thankfully we've had a couple guests so that's been kind of nice so then we can talk to them and yeah. Uh, I like having guests because there's a um, it it leaves room for questions that we haven't thought to ask yet. I agree. And and not in the sense that like we're you know being reporters and or like journalists, but yeah, it they're yeah. questions that apply to us. So and it helps us learn when yeah. it seems like kind of interview style. It's a lot of the times is a self-reflective thing as well to be like was I doing this in my situation or how you know I want to learn how my kids are going to perceive what happened 
um, in, in certain, so when I ask people like if they have any advice for, uh, for people who are going through a similar situation with their family, um, part of me is like, you know, are these questions that Landon is going to have at some point or like things that will be unresolved and how can I, yeah, you know, try to help in those yeah. ways? Yep. Yep. Any questions this week? Yeah. That's why I just totally forgot. Jackie might have one. Chris Duke walking around on his 15 minute break. My doorbell just rang, so I gotta go. Just wanna say hello. So, not a question. Just a good a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good way to end the show. I think so. <laughs> Brightened up a little bit in here then. Uh, all right. And with that. With that oh, you wanna do it? Let's do it together. Okay, three, two, one. And, and with, with that, that, we, we will, will pass. pass.